Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, February 18, 2021. Graham Jesus and Matthews here, as always, being joined by the illustrious, the love doctor himself, Mr. Marceau. RJ, what's going on, brother? Doing good, GSM. How are you? Doing excellent. How was your Valentine's Day? It was pretty good. I mean, just another another cash grab holiday and uh, <laughs> with another good lunch and dinner. I mean... I'm not. I would. I. I think every day should be Valentine's Day. I don't think the media should. Uh, I agree. Fake ones, just so they can. It's just a clear money grab, if you ask me. I mean, so it was. It was good for what it was, but uh, it, every day should be Valentine's Day. I agree, especially as you get married in five more weeks. Isn't Molly's birthday in the month of March? When's her birthday? March eighth. March eighth. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you got her birthday coming up in the wedding. So big month of March. Can't wait. But first, before then, we had TakeOver on Sunday, which we're getting all into here today. We're actually recording this before NXT on Wednesday. And I'm doing that because we have a lot to talk about already between TakeOver on Sunday, which was a great show, we'll get into it, and Elimination Chamber predictions for Sunday, which as of right now, we only have, I say, four matches confirmed. We had a fifth match for the Raw Women's Championship. Lacey Evans is apparently pregnant for real, so we'll get into that as well. Congrats to her. Um, but before we get into any of that, Mr. Marceau, thoughts on Daytona 500? Because I know it was delayed from 2.30, 1.30, whatever it was, until takeover time on Sunday night. Alexis's dad was watching it, like, well after takeover ended. I know we already talked about this over text, but it didn't exactly meet your expectations. Is that correct? Yeah, I was fucking won it. It was like a six-hour fucking rain delay, <laughs> so that doesn't help. And then, like, they had a crash before the initial rain delay, so, like, the rest of the race, they just kind of, like, drove around. It was boring as shit. I fell asleep, and then I woke up at the very end. I was like, thank God I didn't stay up for two hours and watch that shit. So who ended up winning the whole thing? Michael McDowell, some bum. Oh, okay, because I know the money was on, well, what was the, um, the bed? The person that I texted you last week, it wasn't like Wilmer, it was something like that. Kyle uh, Bush? No, not Kyle Bush. I know Bush, I know Logano, um... God, I don't remember now. I'd have to go back through the text. They texted it to you last week, but it, it was like the odds-on favorite, and he'd been doing really, really Denny well. Denny Hamlin? Yeah, Hamlin, Hamlin, yeah. He did good. He crashed at the very end, I think. Oh, okay. So was that what cost him in the end? Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, I just, I just stupid. <laughs> well, I'll try to catch more of it next year. If it doesn't fall on Valentine's Day on a takeover day, because I did watch it last year, at least up until it got delayed. I feel like it gets still. I mean, I only watched it the last year or two but does it always get delayed or is this just the recent thing um i would say it's more of a recent thing the re- the real issue is more recently they've decided to start the race later mm-hmm. um it used to be like 1 12 31 o'clock and now they started like 3 3 30 so i mean florida that always rains i feel like so yeah i think it just happens the it always happens when they start it rains and then they always since they start so late then they can only run so like 
they start so late, but then if it rains and they only have so late to run it, and then they usually delay it. So, is it always in Florida, or was it just in Florida due to the pandemic? Daytona's always in Florida. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm a fucking idiot. Daytona Beach. I'm such a moron. Obviously, it's always in Florida. <laughs> that makes. But sense. yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like they. I think they pushed it back so like West Coast people don't have to wake up as early, but yeah. then it fucks up the race every year. So Fuck it's the West Coast. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> It's like they know like a weather's impending later, so why wouldn't you just push it up? It's no, not I like agree. another sport they could just play in the rain. Like they know it's gonna rain later, so why don't you just push up the race earlier? It's, it makes no sense. Do you think they would have learned after last year, but apparently not? So hopefully two times in a row they would uh they'll get it right next year. Especially after like it reminds me of like the Rumble, completely different scenario, but like Rumble twenty fifteen, there's no way they can possibly fuck it up after having Batista win in twenty fourteen. And then they fucked it up again, not quite as bad, but that's what it gives me uh, memories of. But yeah, so, like last year they had like most of the races started later than normal and they had like eight to ten rain delays. Like it was ridiculous. Like every week they had a rain delay because they started the race so fucking late. Well, at least last year, uh, this year they just bumped it back really far back into the day. Last year they just moved it to Monday. I would have rather had that. I could actually watch it. I had the day off for a lot of <laughs> Oh yeah, it was. It was President's Day this year, the day after. So that actually would have worked out better for a lot of people. Uh, oh, well, fingers crossed for next year's Daytona 500. Maybe next year we'll be able to watch with Mr. Marceau. Perhaps. I would love to do that. But before then, we got Chamber and Takeover to talk about new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can rate the show, subscribe to the show. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. Like I said, we got a stacked show here today talking about Takeover from Sunday 1st. Overall, I thought Vengeance Day on Valentine's Day was a really, really good show. Um, I had seen some people go so far as to say one of the best takeovers they've ever done. Mr. Marceau, you know I'm a big NXT guy. You're a big NXT guy as well. I don't know if I'd go that far just because there was no crowd. And we've talked a lot about over text, um, especially after I discussed it last week on Hashtag, extensively about how, or rather, what is missing from NXT right now. Um, just with the lack of audience or no real sense of urgency or even unpredictability or must-see feel to the show. And we could say what we do about Dynamite. We, you know, Lord knows we did last week. And we didn't really rip apart the show, but, you know, we, we, we have our flaws and our gripes with Dynamite, a lot like with NXT. But with NXT, unlike Dynamite, it just doesn't have that must-see feel. But I do feel like coming off of this takeover, not just because of the wrestling, I think it kind of went back to the NXT of old and setting stuff forward and really making you want to tune in tonight, or rather on Wednesday, to see what was going to happen next. Yeah, I thought it was a good show. I wouldn't say go as far as saying it was the best takeover ever or like the best show they've ever done, but I think they did plant a lot of seeds to, like you said, make it seem more must-see and make you want to tune in on a Wednesday. Usually it's like they're always good shows, but they don't always have that must-see feel. Like Dynamite, even though we pick apart the show normally, it just it does have a more must-see feel because I feel like they have more stuff going on with NXT just – the, sh- the weekly shows aren't as, like, can't miss, I guess I would say. Like, they used to, I don't even say they used to be like that either. I just feel like they're missing the crowd and stuff like that. It makes it less desirable to watch. But, but, I mean, the old shows never were, I would say, must-see. But after last night or two couple nights ago, I feel like the ending and with some of the match results are kind of starting to uh, cement some of the upcoming feuds and stuff like that. So I would say before Sunday or after Sunday, I would say NXT's more 
uh, must-see than it was before. And that's the thing, too. I'm really glad you brought that up, and we've mentioned this before, too, here on the show, and that NXT was never a must-see show. It was always a good show and arguably better than Raw and SmackDown. I mean, how could it not be? Because at that point, we're going back 2014, 2015, SmackDown was a complete fucking afterthought, and Raw was still as bad as it is now, if not worse, if not marginally better. So, of course, NXT was always going to be the show of the week. It still is. Compared to Raw and SmackDown, and SmackDown is a much better show now than it has been in recent years. Um, So maybe SmackDown is sometimes the show of the week, but never really Raw, for obvious reasons. But back when it was an hour show, taped in advance, we would hear about the spoilers weeks and weeks in advance, whether it was a title change or a debut or a takeover match announcement. It was always spoiled in advance because they taped it so far in advance, and it kind of of followed the impact schedule, and that they would follow or rather tape like four weeks worth of shows at once because they could only get full sale one day out of the month. And now they don't really have that. They don't have that issue anymore. Um, Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, they have to tape every week at the Performance Center, Capital Wrestling Center, whatever, with a limited crowd in attendance. Um, But, you know, I think they were kind of capturing that must-see feel when they first went to USA with the hot crowds. And the crowds are really what make the difference. Because 14, 15, 16 with NXT, I think what people are really remembering are the takeovers. And the takeovers have never faltered. I think Dynamite does a better job of producing a better weekly show. But NXT, when it comes to pay-per-views, in my opinion, blow AEW out of the water. So it kind of evens out. But yeah, I know I would agree. I think this show did a great job of kind of setting things forward, making you look forward to seeing what was going to happen next, including on Wednesday with the fallout from this show. Um, But before we get even into the show itself, it was announced right before TakeOver went live on the pre-show that they have a new signing. They have a bunch of new signings that we'll get into, but most notably, Eli Drake, former Impact World Champion, now known as L.A. Knight. Uh, That was the name that he was uh, re-Christianed as on Sunday night. So he's coming on over to Impact. Impact. He was formerly in Impact, coming on over to WWE, which he was a part of originally a number of years ago with Sean Ricker, I believe his... No, no, that's his real name, I think. His NXT name was Slate Randall many, many years ago. They cut him 2014, went to Impact, went to NWA, reinvented himself, and now he finds himself back in NXT. So I know you don't watch a ton of Impact, Mr. Marceau. Are you at all familiar with Eli Drake, LA Knight, and your thoughts on his signing to NXT? So I'm not familiar with him from Impact. I do remember seeing him in NWA when I watched a little bit of it. I mean... You have more praises for the guy than I do, but seems like a decent signing. I mean, like I said, you, you, you'll kill that one more than I can, but uh, seems like a good signing. Yeah, no, I've been following his work for the longest time. Uh, I mean, again, he was in NXT for a while, and he had really you know, he had a lot of potential then, but they cut him before he ever made it to TV. I think he was actually on like one of those takeovers, I want to say, is like maybe a lumberjack, or maybe like when Sami Zayn won the title, he was in the ring. I I remember seeing him on one of those shows. Never really made his proper TV debut, got released, um, did great work in Impact, he was great in NWA. He's more of a promo guy, which honestly I think helps out NXT, because I think NXT is a great crop of wrestlers, and some very good promo guys, like Adam Cole and people like that. But not a lot of great, like, characters, so to speak. So I think he'll help in that department. And he's a good wrestler to boot, so I think he's a great signing. And uh, NWA's been defunct now for, like, a year, or at least inactive. So getting him back on a major platform, I think, is key. But, um, yeah, no, I'm really glad that he's back in the fold. There's a few other signings they announced. Uh, Christian Casanova from Northeast Wrestling, he's coming on in. Blake Christian, he was recently in Impact. And also, most notably, former Impact Knockouts champion, yet to be confirmed by WWE, but all but confirmed at this point, 
Taya Valkyrie, former Impact Knockouts champion, formerly uh, formerly of Lucha Underground as well. She's been all around the world in the last 10 years. I think she was in FCW at one point. I might be wrong. If not FCW, then she tried out and got it. didn't get it, didn't cut it, whatever. Um, but she's one of the better women's wrestlers out there not signed by WWE. I know you're more familiar with her being the real-life wife of John Morrison. Uh, what are your thoughts on her signing, Mr. Marceau? You're teasing me for a second. You said former Impact champion. I thought you were going to talk about Gail Kim. Uh, <laughs> but no, I know, I know Tyler, Tyler Valkyrie. Um, she was in uh, Lucha, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah she was in, uh, what was it, the uh, Worldwide Underground. Yep, so I remember her from Lucha. She's really good. Um, I mean, she's a great addition to an already great division, so interesting to see what they do with her. I feel like they have a ton of women at the higher mid-card level. I mean, I feel like they have five or six women that can contend for the women's championship now, so just adding another stacked woman to that division can't hurt, so I would say once it's official, it's a great signing. We did mention this over text a couple of days ago. I think it was over text. Yeah, it was over text. It was like on takeover day, but um, don't you think, I, I think you would agree, that she probably would have been a better fit for Raw or SmackDown just because they probably would need her more than NXT does at this point? Uh... I guess yes or no. I, can, um, I would say yes and no because I feel like Rhea's coming up, Bianca, like you don't want her to just be brought up and steal all the spotlight from them. So mm-hmm. have her go down to NXT a little bit and maybe call up mid-year. Just one of those mid-year call-ups. And then I, I just, I think the momentum right now is with Bianca and then if Rhea gets called up. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring up Tyra right, right away. I guess it's probably better than saddling her with Miz and Morrison from the get-go, right? Probably better just to put her with only Morrison just because Miz and Morrison are just complete losers right now. Yeah, I I would not put her anywhere near them. (laughs) I'm not sure where Morrison was on Raw this week. I know a spot in the chamber was on the line for him, but he never even appeared on the show, so not really sure what's going on with him. Uh, But TakeOver itself, again, a great show. And I thought kicking off the show, we had an awesome opener in the finals of the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez being Shotzi, Blackheart, and Ember Moon. Uh, It's it's amazing how it's like night and day. With women's tag team wrestling on NXT compared to the main roster, like, I could not give two shits about women's tag team wrestling on Raw or SmackDown. And they have a few decent teams. I like the Riot Squad. Bianca and Sasha aren't really a team, but... They might team at some point. Naomi and Lana, I like Naomi, but that's not a team. Who cares? Shayna and Nia are not a fucking team. Charlotte and Asuka aren't a team, Lacey, and Peyton aren't a team. It's ridiculous. So, uh, in NXT, though, it actually matters. Dakota and Raquel have been a team for a long time. Ember and Shotzi, I will, I will, you know, not to be hypocritical, aren't really a team either, but at least they give the matches time, and they matter, and all the women are very, very good, and at least the partnerships make some sort of sense. Um, I thought this was a great match, and I had my money on Ember Moon and Shotzi winning, but Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, not a, not a bad choice either. Yeah, I thought this was a great match. I mean, I, I like Raquel and Dakota, and I like Ember. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Shotzi guy. I don't know. I just She's never really appealed to me, and I, I don't really get the hype around her. Mm-hmm. But um, No, I thought it was a great match. I, I, I was a little nervous. I thought Raquel and Dakota might lose. They had a couple uh, – missteps and kept running into each other or like bumping each other so i was like oh god they're gonna lose and then turn on each other completely. <laughs> but uh no the right team won here with raquel and dakota i mean raquel's finish always makes me pop like that huge choke slam like it is a good finish yeah oh my god it looks devastating and she pulls it off great so good for them i mean they've both been down in nxt for a while now so good good rub for them and i mean they'd be a better tag team champions than naya and Shayna. so hopefully they take the belts off them and 
they have a lot of women in, in NXT they, they could defend those titles against and then eventually do a split down the line. So I think Raquel and Dakota make the most sense to take the belts off Nia and uh, Shayna. That's why I was actually slightly surprised that they won. I'm glad they did just because they're more of a team than Ember and Shotzi. Um, but Shayna and Nia are the current WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. They have their hands full right now with Naomi and Lana on Raw, and now Bianca and uh, Sasha are teasing an alliance to take those titles from them over on SmackDown. Two things. When do you do the match? And I guess to kind of answer the second part of the question, but you have to have the tag titles in NXT at this point, right? Like, it's only academic. Yeah, I mean, that only makes the most sense at this point. I mean, I think they could either hold it on. If anything, they could either do it on NXT TV um, or they could wait till WrestleMania. So, I mean, the belts aren't that that prestigious, so you could either do it on NXT TV or, they like I said, at WrestleMania is another match. But um, I think NXT is where they belong at this point. The main roster, like I said, they have a few teams, but they're basically kind of useless on the main roster. So I would have them on NXT. And then if people really want to get – if people really want them, they can come to NXT and, and, and fight for them. But the main roster, they're basically a, a prop. What does this mean for Raquel Gonzalez now that she's pinned Io Shirai in War Games? That was over two months ago. They've seemingly forgotten about it, but you know they're going to go back to it at some point. She will probably be the one, if I had to take a guess, to take that belt from Io Shirai probably over WrestleMania weekend. Does Raquel pull double duty, go to WrestleMania, win the tag titles, win the NXT Women's Championship? Are we getting two belts Raquel here? What do you do with that? I'm not sure Yeah, I mean, I feel like she is the one... I mean, she's she's the person next that should get a title match. I mean, Tony didn't get pinned on Saturday night or Sunday night, so you can also have that run back again. But yeah. I mean, Raquel's great. I like Raquel. I just her as women's champion right now. Just I don't know. She did beat Io. I just don't feel like it's her time right now. I mean, she could win it, but I feel like she does have some more seasoning that could be done. So maybe a lengthy tag team run. Um, she, they eventually split off, they do her and Dakota, and then she can face the bell at that point. But I don't know, I feel like a, her winning the title at WrestleMania just seems a little bit too soon for my liking. Yeah, maybe they put the belts on Sasha and Bianca before then, and then they beat them for it. I don't, it wouldn't be at WrestleMania, because I think it's got to be Sasha and Bianca one-on-one at WrestleMania. Um, but just an idea, so they're not beating a fellow heel team. Either way, the end game has got to be to get those belts off of Sheena and Nia, just because... Nia does well documented, but does absolutely nothing for me, and it's only dragging Shayna down further. Uh, we did have another great match in the show right after that for the NXT North American Championship between Gargano and Kushida. Um, I, I love this a lot. They got a lot of time here, like close to 25 minutes, which was I don't know if it's the longest North American title match we've ever gotten, but it's got to be up there because these matches don't ordinarily get that type of time. Um, but I thought both guys really shine here. Kushida... And the two years that he's been with NXT, as big of a Kushida fan as I am, I have to admit he really hasn't had one truly breakout match. He's had a lot of good to very good matches, but no one great, holy shit, what a guy, like this guy's a star type of match. And this was it. Uh, Gargano, he really hasn't had that blowaway takeover match in quite a while. People were saying since the Adam Cole matches, I don't know if I would go that far, but... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe since the Finn Balor match last year, um, the Damian Priest matches I thought were very good to great. The triple threat at War Games was, uh, I enjoyed it. I know you didn't like it as much. Um, but I thought this was probably the best Gargano match I've seen in quite some time. So this was a win-win. Gargano retains the title clean, which is good. He's been booked like a chicken shit heel, so it's smart to book him like a dominant heel champion from time to time. And Kushida looked really, really good in defeat, so I thought this was uh, great stuff all around. 
Yeah, that was a good match. I mean, I, I, I'm not you're a big Kushida guy. I'm not big on Kushida. I feel like he's just kind of there. I mean, he hasn't really done much to impress me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this match was great, though. I, I think they had great chemistry, probably. If not the match of the night, second best match of the night. I thought they did great. Um, the Dexter Luma stuff with Austin Theory, though, like, can we stop with this shit? Like, it happened before <laughs> the match. It's terrible. Um, but, no, the match itself was good, and, I mean, Gargano's still champion. He's still in developmental. Hopefully, he'll move on eventually, but, I mean, he might be a lifer at this point. So, with Dexter and Loomis, are they setting up Gargano and Loomis as the next title program, you think? It sounds like it. I mean, the, the way that they planned it out, it seems like that's the direction they're going, unfortunately. I, I mean, they, they could do that. I don't know if that's a takeover match. And I know Loomis actually has, maybe not momentum, but, you know, he's picked up a number of wins. He's beaten Cameron Grimes a bunch of times. He's beaten Roderick Strong a few times. So, I mean, the guy does have wins in his back pocket that they could use to establish him as being credible. I, I mean, yeah, they could do that match, and they probably will, and they probably should. But beyond that, who do you see from the NXT roster being the one to take that belt from Gargano? Because he just regained it two months ago. I wouldn't have him lose it anytime soon, I don't think. He really needs a, like a long title run. In my yeah. opinion, I, I think it should be Bronson Reed, but that's just me. Kid takes it right out of my mouth. I was going <laughs> to say Bronson Reed. What a dick. Um, yeah, I mean, he makes the most sense. I mean, he's probably the most over babyface they have that's at that level, so... I mean, it only makes sense if he won for the love of God. Hopefully, if 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 Dexter Loomis beats him, I, I might be done. I mean, he's <laughs> I just I still don't understand what they really see in the guy. Like he's good, but like he's so he's older too. So like they have other young guys up and coming. I just I feel like his gimmick's not good. It just you have younger guys to focus on. Like push them. Don't push fucking Dexter Loomis, please. Oh, I, I like Dexter Loomis. The thing yeah, we know you do. I, listen, I'm not his biggest fan. Alexis loves Dexter Loomis. I like Dexter Loomis. He likes the Loomis. fucking concession stand worker. What'd you say? I said you like the fucking concession stand workers, too. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I won't argue with you there. But my issue with Loomis is, is two things. One, I don't think he's like North American championship material. And two, I just think he would work better as a heel because it feels like a heel gimmick. The fact he's been a face for almost a year now is honestly stunning to me. I don't know if it's because they feel like they have too many heels on that roster, but like, I don't know. I just, I mean, the Cameron Grimes stuff was entered, it was enjoyable, but I'm really surprised that, uh, I don't know. I'm just surprised that he's still a babyface. but real quickly, speaking of Cameron Grimes, we've got a music video for him on the show. He, uh, hit the stock market big with the GameStop money and now he's big money Grimes. What were your thoughts on the new gimmick for Grimes? I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's very silly, but I think he could pull it off. Molly hated the fucking music video, but I was dying. Oh, Alexis hated it too, yeah. To the <laughs> God, I love it. But, uh, it was so I mean, dumb, but I liked it. Oh, yeah. He, if anyone's going to pull off the dumb gimmick, I think he can do it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought it was funny, but I could see people shitting all over it, and rightfully so. But uh, I think he's one of those guys you can give him pretty much anything, and he can he can flourish with it. Back to Kushida real quick. Do you think, and a lot of people have said this, do you think this might have been his peak in NXT? Because I could see him being the North American champion at some point. I just, it, it's a timing thing. Like, now is not the time. Um, he's not going to be NXT champion, I would assume. He's not going to, this is, I mean, going to the main roster is just fucking death for this guy. He'll end up facing Akira Tozawa for the 24-7 championship. I mean, is this as good as it's going to get for Kushida in WWE? I, I, I'm afraid so. I mean, I don't see much in the guy. I know I know you're bigger into him, but I feel like his NXT run's been meh at best. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if he gets called up, he's he'll be running around with uh, Drew Gulak and uh, Umberto Carrillo and all those losers. So, I mean, I think he's hit his peak, and unfortunately, just 
I think NXT North American Championships this week. He'll have a one-way ticket to uh, main event on Thursdays on Hulu. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> I like Yoshida a lot, and I don't want to say this is the peak, but I feel like he could, it might be. So hopefully they prove me wrong. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I thought he had a great match here, though, if nothing else. We then had the finals of the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic between MSK and Grizzled Young Vets, which was my personal favorite match of the night. I thought this was fucking great. And it's amazing to me that it really is kind of sad because it was a year ago yesterday that the NXT Tag Team titles were last defended on a takeover. I mean, dude, we have literally had uh, Takeover in Your House. We had 30, 31, War Games, this one. Five takeovers. Tag titles have not been defended on any of them. Yet these tag team matches continue to kill it on the show, on the takeovers. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, this was a great match. MSK looked great. Grizzled Young Vets had one of their best matches to date. And uh, MSK winning was a bit of a surprise to me, but after Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez won, I kind of figured, okay, they're not going to have two heel teams win. So uh, either way, I was really happy with either outcome, just because these are two genuine teams. Because in the five years they've been doing the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, they've had Balor and Joe win it. Not a fucking team. They broke up right afterward. Um, that was more of a storyline device, if anything. They had AOP win it. They got canned. Undisputed Era won it. Was probably the only real success story because Riddle and Dunn won it. They broke up right after uh, due to the pandemic. And then uh, Black and Ricochet two years ago. They had to break up right afterwards to win the main roster. So I- I'm glad that an actual team won it. MSK already feel like stars. This was an awesome match. And if it was up to me, I'd probably put the belts right on MSK as soon as they get the chance to uh, contend for them in the near future. No, this is a great match. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Actually, two legitimate teams facing off, not like a makeshift team uh, fest like they've done in the past. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it was a good match. I thought MSK looked great. I was very surprised they won. I, I mean, we both thought Grizzly little young vets would win. I, I think they're very high on them, and I could see why. But, uh, yeah, MSK winning. they got to rock it up their ass, and it seems like they'll be the next NXT Tag Team Champions because, I mean, Burge and Lorcan are decent, but, I mean, they just got pushed to be with that whole Pat McAfee group, and I don't really think that I see they see them as title contenders or big-time champions. So MSK should be beating them, I would say, and hopefully the next takeover or anytime on NXT. Whenever they get that shot, new champs, MSK. I like Lorcan and Burge, but I feel like that group with Dunn just died a death when they took Pat McAfee out of the picture. Yeah, it's just one of those things, like, they were interesting just because they were put with them, but besides that, they're just kind of, like, they're good hands in the ring, but they're not interesting as characters. They kind of just, like, I don't know, they're, like, they're, like, they're to me, like, McAfee and Dunn are, like, the lead singers, and they're just kind of, like, the background dancers. Like, they're good, but yeah, they yeah, do, but, like, they're just, like, they're, they were brought into a group which made them more important, but now that McAfee's gone, they're kind of just the same old guys. And they lost the war games, too, so that didn't really help. Yeah, exactly. I mean... In retrospect, now that we think about it, what was the fucking point of Undisputed Era winning at War Games after what happened on this show? Pat McAfee was leaving it. I mean, I guess you could have had Pat... Maybe that's why they had him lose, because Pat McAfee wasn't going to stick around. But, like, Dunn ended up getting a takeover match, or a takeover title match here. So why not just have Dunn win? Like, does that make any sense in retrospect? Yeah, it doesn't make too much sense. I mean, I don't know if they thought McAfee was leaving or or what the what's going on. Triple H said they're still with like maybe they just like let him go. Like I don't know. He's like Triple H said something in like a press conference that I they heard that. They yeah, they wanted to work with him. So I, I don't really know what's going on, but yeah. 
I don't know. It's a weird thing because it's not like Pat came out on his show and was like, oh, yeah, I got other projects coming on or going on. Like, so I had to step away. It sounds like he wants to be there doing stuff. They just don't have anything for him. It sounds like it really is a case of like creative is nothing for you. I don't know how you couldn't because he was one of the best parts of the show like fucking three months ago. So, and he's a guy that I really turned the corner on, which is why I'm more open to the Bad Bunny stuff now, just because uh, Pat McAfee, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie about it. And six months ago, we were like, why the fuck is this guy in the show? Who cares about him and Adam Cole? And then he went in there and had a great match, and he's just, uh, he's a great talker. So, anyway, hopefully we see him again at some point. We had the NXT Women's Championship on the line in a triple threat match between Io Shirai, Mercedes, Martinez, and Tony Storm. Pretty good match here, but I got to agree with what you said. Just uh, just a flat match. I mean, it was good. It was good. Don't get me wrong, but Shirai winning kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't get a ton of time. Only 12 minutes. And given the talent level involved, it really should have been better than what it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I sent sent you my thoughts via text. I, I, I thought this would be a better match. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I thought it was a good match, but just like... It didn't really seem like they ever, like, got to that next level. They were just kind of there. Um, the finish was, like, basically, co- like, a copy of the In Your House with, like, EO hitting the moonsault. Exactly, hitting, yeah. Hitting Mercedes. But, like, it just felt flat. Like, Mercedes hit her finish. Tony kicked out of it. Tony hit her finish. Mercedes kicked out of it. And then EO hit her finish. One, two, three. Cool. So, I mean, it, yeah. it was for what it was. I mean, I just – I'm not a huge Mercedes Martinez fan, but I thought the match – the match was mostly, I feel like, was her and Tony doing all the work, and then EO kind of just got the win at the very end. It was like Rey Mysterio winning the Royal Rumble. Like, he was there, <laughs> and then he won it. It was kind of like EO was in the match, but she really didn't do much. Like, she did that high spot off the uh, off the pillar, but she yeah. almost fucking whiffed on Tony. She almost went right over both of them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was her big claim to, sh- claim to fame the whole match, and then I feel like Tony and Mercedes did the rest of the work, and then she just hit the uh, moonsault one, two, three, so... We'll see what happens. I, I said via text, I, I love EO, but I mean, I feel like her title reign has been a little underwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. you, you listed every match she's had and the stars. <laughs> well, that's just my opinion. I mean, we have different just opinions. The, no, I mean, I feel like she's had good matches. I just, I mean, as a, I just don't remember most of them. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think I mean, if they don't do her and Raquel next, it'd probably be her and Tony. I mean, Tony didn't get pinned on Sunday, so yeah. she can have that bitch. But, um, I don't know, I just felt like it was a good match. It's never really got to the next level. Well, I mean, with Tony, I mean, she's been saying so much going into the show. Oh, I beat you in the Mayon Classic, and you can't beat me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, at that point, there's no way that you can't do it at that point. Like, you, you have to do the one-on-one match. And I like Mercedes, but I, I figured Tony was in this match just to lose to Io, but it was actually the other way around, which is fine because they're both great. I think another thing that hurt the match was that the, the outcome was predictable. So, like... For example, Kushida and Gargano was predictable. Like, I don't think a lot, I don't think anyone really predicted that Kushida was going to win. There was just no way. But it was a good enough match where it didn't really matter. This match, it was good, but I think another thing that hurt it, in addition to the predictability, was that it paled in comparison to everything else on the show. Like, every match on the show was, I, in my opinion, at least four stars. If we're doing stars, which I don't, but if I did, that's what I would say. This was maybe three, three and a half, uh, being generous. I don't know, it was a good match, but... It was just kind of there. It felt like filler. I, I You know, a spade is a spade. It was a filler match because they're clearly keeping that belt warm for Raquel Gonzalez, or at least for that EO-Raquel match. And, um, yeah, I think Tony and EO would be a perfect attraction for an upcoming episode of uh, the show, right? Yeah, that would be a great NXT title match. Yeah, so, uh, I don't know. I've really enjoyed EO's reign. She's been champion for a long time at this point. I think eight months? Eight months, yeah, since last June. So, uh 
She's probably making it to WrestleMania weekend as champion. Is that her? Is that it for her in NXT? Do you think? Is it? Does it follow the formula of her getting called up, or is it a Rhea, Rhea, a Rhea Ripley thing where they kind of wait about six months to a year before they finally call her up? Um, they call her up at all? That's another. That's another. Question. Yeah, that's another thing. I don't know. I I feel like once you lose the belt, there really isn't much for her left to do. She's beating everybody too. Yeah, she's beating everyone. So I mean, I, I maybe have her lose to one person before they call her up. But I mean, besides that, I would just call her up. That makes me very worried. So I guess we'll see. I mean, I'm you know I know they need women, but especially <laughs> I don't know. It's just with the main roster, we haven't seen Rhea Ripley since the Rumble, which is fine. If they have a plan, I don't know if they have a fucking plan, but it just makes me very very worried. So we'll see. Um, but I've enjoyed her title right now. So we get to the main event on this show: Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne for the NXT Championship. As great of a match as we were expecting, again, another match kind of hurt by predictability because there was no way Balor was losing this title before facing Karrion Cross. So we knew that was going to happen, but I thought it was still, unlike you know the previous match, a hard-hitting affair, very physical, went in there, fucking killed it. Balor, since coming back to NXT, has just been delivering on all levels, in-ring, on the mic, in my opinion. I-, I could name a whole who's who list of the people he's beaten and faced and has had fantastic matches with an NXT since coming back, and this was no exception. Uh, one as he should have, celebrating with Undisputed Era after they made the save after um, Balor was attacked by Dunn, Lorcan, and Birch, and then they dropped the boom as soon as the uh, little thing went up in the corner, as always the, cro- the, the copyright signal in NXT, which we've seen before with Owens and Zayn, among other things. Um, Adam Cole hits Balor with the super kick, hits Kyle O'Reilly with the super kick, and that was how we went off the air with Adam Cole walking to the back, uh, obviously dejected, and then Roderick Strong not really knowing how to react. So uh, the match was great. I thought it was a great ending. Got people talking. And to kind of go full circle here with our conversation was really what the NXT brand needed, that spark that has been sorely missing from the brand for some time now, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought the match was good. Like you said, I think that the, the outcome was never in doubt. I mean... Everyone knows the next, the, like the program that the belt even will remotely move at is if it's Cross versus Balor. I mean, Cross lost the belt, Balor wins it, gets his rematch. I mean, that, that that makes the most sense. But it was a great match, so I mean, I don't want to take away from that. But I mean, no one really thought Pete Dunne was going to win here. Um, the aftermath was definitely more talk talked about. I mean, it's just one of those things. That I I, I would have kept them together, but I mean. If they're not going to call them now, like, I feel like, is it ever going to happen? So, at this point, maybe split them up. So, at least, like you said, it gives them some must-see feel and something to talk about because I feel like NXT lately hasn't had too much buzz. So, I mean, them breaking up, it seems like it'll probably be Cole versus O'Reilly at the takeover at WrestleMania weekend. So, it it is definitely newsworthy, but uh, if it was up to me, I would have kept them together. I'm of two minds in the whole thing, and we got to have this conversation because I'm glad you brought that up. Because I was, I was just feeling so many emotions because obviously as a fan of the group, you don't want to see them break up. On the other end of things, you want to see a cool end of the show, something unpredictable. I don't think anyone was predicting that. I think people were predicting it was going to happen, ourselves included, TakeOver 31 or New Year's Evil. Didn't get it. You thought it was over with. Whatever. Um, and they weren't even scheduled for this show. They just came out at the end. And they've been a part of every TakeOver for like three, four years now. So it was a little surprising they weren't on the show in any capacity. Um, until this. So you have that. It shakes things up, which is a positive. The negative, I just, 
I agree. I mean, there was a video that we actually did an excerpt. We, we talked about it here on this show, like in September, I think, because I pulled the excerpt from the podcast. I put it on the YouTube channel. I actually had people commenting on that video the other day after this happened because people were probably looking at videos about why why Undisputed Era shouldn't break up. We talked about it, and here we are four or five months later, and they're finally broken up. Um, I, I just... I said this before, dude. I really do think that they should have gone to the main roster as a group. But one thing that people have argued is that they would rather them break up now and do the breakup story right in NXT as opposed to them going to Raw or SmackDown, getting ruined from day one, and they never really have a chance. So it's it's kind of like a you would rather be loved than never loved at all type of thing. Like, would you rather than never go to the main roster as a group, or at least not initially? Or would you rather have them go there, get a chance, and then fail, and then break up and be ruined? What What would you prefer of that of the two options? Assuming that them being booked like stars that they are is not an option here. I mean, I guess, but I I, I just think they have a better chance of getting called up as a group and succeeding than getting called up individually succeeding. Like besides Cole, I don't think. I mean, I like O'Reilly. I just I just don't think they'll see him pass a level by himself. I mean, I think Cole's a star, but, like, Fish and Strong, like, yeah, they'll probably put them in the tag team division or O'Reilly, but that means nothing. So, I just, I would have called them up together, and if it failed, it failed, but I just, I mean, I don't see any of the, besides Cole, which, I mean, I they can still fuck him up. They're, they're, they, they can fuck anyone up, so, I mean, I think he's the only one by himself that they could really make a star out if they really wanted to. I feel like the other guys, they just would just fall to the wayside and be on main event in a couple of weeks. That's my biggest issue. I think if they called them up together, they would have like a run at least of something. If they call them up individually, I just feel like people won't care as much. So where do we go with this? One idea that I had, like you mentioned, probably Cole and O'Reilly over WrestleMania weekend. Do you do that? Well, one thing before we even get to what I was going to say, do you do that match then or do you wait and instead of that show you do like Kyle and Roddy versus Balor and O'Reilly or a tag team match of some sort and then save like Balor and Cross, which has been rumored uh, for WrestleMania for the NXT Championship. Do you see that as a possibility at all? It's possible, but if you're going to do any match, it's got to be Cole and O'Reilly at this point, it seems like. Maybe they'll try to patch things up and it'll be like a thing, but I mean, I think that's the money match at this point besides Balor and Cross would be Cole and O'Reilly. Well, I, mean, well, I know the money match, but I'm just saying, do you like prolong it or do you do it at the next takeover? You do it at takeover. Do you do Balor, Cole, and O'Reilly at all in a triple threat just because Balor is kind of still involved with this thing? Or do you maybe do that on TV or do you just move on from that entirely? I would just move on entirely. He beat O'Reilly twice. I mean, why does he deserve another No, no, I agree. Top? I agree. Yeah, it, it just seemed like from the way that they set it up, that might be um, a possibility. Where does Roddy fall in all of this? In Bobby. I, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he was maybe he'll line one way or the other, but he was very, uh, very confused on Sunday night. So maybe they'll play that up and he'll pick a side, but uh, he'll have to pick a side. We'll see what happens, but. Uh, that's what it seemed like the way they were, they were playing it. Do you think they might still do Undisputed Era with just them three, no Kyle? It's possible, but I mean, it's kind of stupid if they do that, but we'll see. Could they get called up? Could you see a scenario? <laughs> what my idea was is, is if they do O'Reilly and Cole a WrestleMania weekend. I mean, I guess this would make it extremely predictable, but like you do a loser leaves NXT match. Oh, this brand isn't big enough for the both of us, blah, blah, blah. 
that paves the way for Cole to be called up, which has been long overdue. Listen, I love the guy in NXT, and I would, I, you know, at a certain point, you got to grow, though. We've talked to this with Gargano, and, like, I know NXT is, like, the superior show, but, like, they're not even given a chance on that. I would rather them go to the main roster, get a chance, fail, and then go back to NXT than not go to NXT at all. I'm not even talking about Undisputed there on the home. I'm just talking about, like, in general. Because, like, these guys are wasting their best years in... It's it's developmental. I know it's a third show. It is a third brand, absolutely. And it's the best show of the three. But, I mean, to not even go to Raw or SmackDown, to me, is just... You're wasting your prime years here having the same matches when... At some point, you gotta have a change of scenery. Whether it be AEW or Raw or SmackDown. They gotta move on at some point. Cole's still relatively young, but, like... Bobby Fish is like probably 40 now at this point. He's, I think he's like 42. Roderick Strong is definitely not young. Cole might be the youngest of the bunch, though I'm not 100% sure. Maybe Kyle. Um, at, at some point, they got to call these guys up. So do you put them on Raw or SmackDown right after WrestleMania? And that's kind of the big call up. Um, is those three or maybe just Cole? Yeah, I mean, I, I they need to call them up. I feel like the longer they wait, the, the less people are going to care about them. But I, I would say hopefully... I was hoping, I mean, we were talking about last year them getting caught up with the pandemic. I don't even know if that was even in the works, but I mean, I would call them up at the WrestleMania, but we'll see what happens, how this shakes out. But I mean, Cole's 31, O'Reilly's 33, Strong's 37. I don't know Bobby Fish. Let me see. He's 42, I think. Bobby Fish is 42, woof. Yeah, he is 42, uh, yeah. Yeah, shit. Let me see. I like the guy, but like... 44! 44, jeez. So they signed him when he was 40, which is, you know, not out of the ordinary this day and age, but th- that just kind of goes to show that he has no future on the main roster. Like, I love the guy, and I talked to him a couple of months ago, but like on his own, I think he's very talented. They do not see anything in him on his own. I can guarantee you of that right now. Like, he will be on main event facing Humberto Carrillo in six months if they call him up tomorrow on his own. I think... I agree. I think him and Roddy could have a real great tag team run. Like, they've been a tag team now for a couple of months. I think they could work as a team. It doesn't have to be O'Reilly and Fish or O'Reilly and Strong. I think Strong and O'Reilly works just as well. Um, Strong, again, has a better future on his own than than Fish does, I think. But he's the same type of thing. I don't think Vince will give a fuck about Roderick Strong on his own. Otherwise, he would have been called up by now. He's been in NXT for like five years, dude. Even longer than Cole and the other ones. So, I mean, if they if they really saw something in him, he would have been up a long time ago. Uh, and I like Cole. Or I like Strong, but that's just, it's just the fact of the matter. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where they go with it from here. But um, it's interesting because maybe, maybe they call up Cole, Strong, and Fish and then leave O'Reilly in NXT because I feel like there's a lot more for him to do on his own. And they've been teasing the Balor thing so much. I know he's been, I know he's lost twice. Maybe they built the third time's the charm with him and he's the one to take the belt from Balor and not cross. Like, I'm talking maybe SummerSlam weekend. Is that a possibility, you think? I mean, it's a possibility, but, I mean, I think you'd have to do cross and Finn before that. No, no, I know that, but, like, I, I, I would I would think that Balor would beat him and then maybe Cross moves up without even winning the championship back. Maybe. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, because I could see Vince wanting cross after seeing his entrance seeing scarlet and he's like yeah i want them on raw right now doesn't mean that they'll be booked properly but i could see vince wanting him on the main roster asap i have zero expectations at this point the notion like oh they'll never ruin this person was completely thrown at the fucking window when alistair black i mean it's, it was thrown at the window a long time ago but like when they brought up black and he's had success but like the guy hasn't been on tv since october 
If they're not even using him, then I have no hope for Cross, Cole, or anyone from NXT. Gargano. Again, I I joke when I say stay right where you are, but I also don't want to see them waste their prime years only in NXT. And NXT is a great show, but it's not as big of a company as on its own as Dynamite or Raw or SmackDown. As as much as we hate the main roster sometimes, that's just what it is. Uh, So final impressions, Mr. Marceau, take over on uh, Sunday Night Vengeance Day. I thought it was a good show. I mean, like I said, no complaints. Uh, I thought it was a good, nice show. Um, Set up some stuff for the next couple weeks. I mean, I wouldn't say it was the greatest show of all time. I wouldn't say it was the worst. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it personally. Again, not the greatest show of all time. I can name four takeovers that were better. Uh, Quick, actually, bonus question for you, Mr. Marceau. Very popular question, but we have a Mountain Rushmore of takeovers. Which ones are on it for you that come to mind? Kid. <laughs> uh, the kid thinks I'm a fucking savant like him. I mean, New Orleans and New York are definitely one, too. Like I said, the ones that come to mind for you, not like all time, you gotta do your research right now, but yeah, New York, New Orleans, I agree. New York, New Orleans, uh, Brooklyn one, and... Our Evolution? Uh, our Evolution's good. I mean, I feel like I, I would have to see the show as like to really think about it, but... Yeah. I mean, we went to Philly. Philly was a great one. Philly was good. Um, let me see. I actually have my pull up right here. I got pulled up. So I said <laughs> New Orleans. I said New Orleans, New York, Brooklyn one. Yep. Uh, fuck. I mean, a lot of these shows are really good too. London, Brooklyn. I'll go with our Revolutions to get a, an early one in there. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like a lot of these ones, like Dallas, Toronto. Dallas was uh, great too. Yeah. Chicago, Philly. I feel like they're all like kind of the same. <laughs> they're all in the, the kind of same. Uh, same know, boat. Same. War games. Yeah, they're all in the same great. boat. They're all good shows. So I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely say New Orleans and New York definitely stick out about the rest. But uh, I mean, you wouldn't put most... Orlando on that list. <sighs> no, that was one of the weaker ones, unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't really like that show. I'm I Molly fall asleep like halfway through. Exciting <laughs> show. I don't blame you. No, I would agree with that. Those are some great takeovers right there. I, I would say this was the best of the COVID era, personally. And they've had some good ones. I really enjoyed... Um, In Your House was good for like the nostalgia factor. That was a pretty good show. 30 was good. Didn't really feel like a 30th installment, but it was fine. Um, I really enjoyed 31, the one that we watched at the uh, Marceau Compound. I thought that was a fantastic show. And War Games was good, too. I'd probably put this above the rest. Uh, not just because it was you know had the Vengeance title, but... I thought every match pretty much delivered except for the women's, which, you know, it was good, but it just paled in comparison to the rest. So from there, we transition as we wind down here to Elimination Chamber predictions. Uh, We got to mix in some thoughts from Raw here with the Raw Women's Championship supposed to be defended at the pay-per-view between Lacey Evans and the current champion Asuka. Lacey announced on Raw that she was pregnant randomly during a tag team match. They played it off like Ric Flair was the father. He was around celebrating. We come to find out, per Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, that pregnancy is legit and that Lacey Evans is actually having another baby, uh, which is great news. But are they? do they want you to think that Ric Flair is the father? And that's the storyline explanation. I would assume the match is off, but I think it's still being advertised. What were your, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole thing, Mr. Morso? How do they handle this going forward, essentially? So, I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. It's, it is still advertised. And like you said, the way that they made it play, like it seemed like Ric Flair was the dad. I mean, he said, call me daddy at one point. So, I mean, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's legitimate, obviously they're not going to have a wrestle. I, I would, I just, I, I hope they don't 
drag this out and just have Rick and her on TV just just to do it. But uh, yeah, definitely really random. I mean, if it's legitimate, it's legitimate. But if this is like a storyline, it's fucking stupid. I mean, nah, I don't think I don't think it's a storyline just because I don't think there. W- These are some pretty credible sources confirming that. So for them to be like, oh yeah, she is actually pregnant, and then she's not, I think that'd be pretty shitty. Just because it's a serious topic, you know. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but if it was just a storyline, it's fucking dumb, and it was just stupid. Like, why would you even have her out there at that point? I don't know. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Stupid. Yeah, it's, well, the story, I mean, there is a storyline here, and it is stupid. I don't think her being pregnant is fake, but the whole thing is fucking dumb. Just, just come out on Raw this coming week or on, on Sunday and just say, listen, I am having a baby, but I lied. It's not Ric Flair's kid, um, obviously. And we just did that to distract Charlotte and, and, and blah, blah, blah. Just say that in the storyline. Like, I, I think these women getting pregnant, first of all, it's it's a win-win because they're having kids. I think that's fantastic news. One of the best things that could ever happen. And to a lesser degree, these awful storylines that they're involved in, not Becky, but like this one and the Brandy Rhodes one comes to mind. We had that one axed too because of Brandy getting pregnant. So it's, it's a win-win really for everybody. Yeah, they're terrible. The last two, the, the most recent two, I mean, they're terrible storylines, so it's, I'm kind of glad that they're moving on from them, but jeez. I just, yeah. uh, just move on, please. Do you do Charlotte and Asuka instead on Sunday? What? Do, how do you handle that? Uh, it, I if mean, Lacey's I, not competing, I'm assuming anyway. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I would put the belt on Charlotte and have it be uh, Rhea and Charlotte at WrestleMania. I mean, I know Oscar's been around for a year now as champion, but I just don't see where she fits in unless it's a triple threat. Yeah, well, I don't care. <laughs> we move along to something you might care a little bit more about. United States Championship triple threat here. Bobby Lashley, Keith Lee, and Riddle. This should be great. I'm assuming, it, again, it happens as advertised. I know on Raw Talk they teased that Keith Lee might not be there because um, they beat him up last week, and there must be something going on there because then he was gone from Raw for like a month. He came back last week, beat Riddle, got attacked, wasn't on Raw this week, and I don't think he wasn't there to sell the attack. I I really don't because if he if it's Riddle was there, so why wouldn't Keith Lee be there to uh, help out Riddle or something? So I don't know if it's a COVID situation. I wouldn't think so. I know Mia Yim had that. She actually confirmed that uh, on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but then she she came back and she's fine. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really know what's what's going on here. But if, if the match happens as advertised, I think Keith Lee wins. If it doesn't, um, Bobby Lashley probably. I don't know. Actually, at that point, I don't really know what happens. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say Riddle. I'm gonna say Riddle. I'm gonna say Lashley loses the championship either way, regardless of how the match goes down. That's my prediction for this one. Yikes. Um. I mean, if there's no Keith Lee, I would keep the belt on Bobby. I mean, Riddle's. He's being riddled like three times. I mean, losing him now. I mean, I guess they could do like a screwy finish, but I mean, I, I I'm more interested to see what they do with with Bobby going into WrestleMania than this match in general. So, I mean, getting the belt off him, to set him up for something bigger would be nice. But I just don't really know what they're gonna do with him. So, if if it's just him and Riddle, I would have Bobby win. But if Lee's in there, I'd have Lee win. Can we just have Bobby in the chamber and then just win the whole thing? I mean, I, I won't stop saying that, but that's just really what I want to see, honestly, more than anything else. I mean, I don't know if I want to see him win the whole thing, but, I mean, him being in it and being dominant would be nice. <laughs> I don't know. Just he has more of a reason to be in there than fucking Jeff Hardy, who I love, but the guy's a loser. The guy just never wins. Um, 
God, I don't know. They got to be setting him up for something. Maybe, maybe again, like we said last week, maybe Brock finally realized that there's a United States Championship and they'll do that. It, he's got to be involved in more than just the U.S. title match. Because even for Keith Lee, dude, if they do Lashley and Lee at WrestleMania, I think that's great. But I feel like they wouldn't protect Lashley this much for Keith Lee, who's already been pinned like five times since coming to Raw. So I just I don't know if that's the end game. Maybe it is, but maybe Lee wins and then they set up Lashley and Lee, and that's fine. I just don't know if they'd be protecting Lashley that much for that reason. Yeah, I think they're protecting him for something that's clearly bigger than what he's doing now. So fingers yeah, crossed. I, I, I maybe Brock realized what the United States Championship is, but uh, I mean that's <laughs> the direction I'm going. Maybe, maybe Vince gave him a call. Hey, pal, you know what the U.S. title is? And, uh, <laughs> and then that's how that match happens. Uh, we'll see. But what's, what's, your, <laughs> what's your prediction if this happens as advertised? And what happens if it doesn't? You think Lashley retains if, if it's Riddle and Lashley, but Lee wins if it happens as advertised, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so we move along here to the two Elimination Chamber matches. Very short card. Uh, actually, before we get to those, any matches you expect to be added? Maybe... Shayna and Nia versus Lana and Naomi. I kind of expected that. Or Bianca and Sasha versus uh, Nia, uh, Nia and Shayna. Any matches that you expect to happen on the show that haven't been advertised yet? Hopefully not. It's good where it is. Uh, Street Profits versus Ziggler and Rude again? Part five? Oops. No, thank you. <laughs> Another quick thing I forgot to mention from Raw. Dude, I just have below zero interest in this. Sub-zero interest. Braun Strowman. Versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Come on, man. Who cares? Why? Why are they doing this? Can't wait, baby. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I just. I thought we. I thought we were past the obligatory Shane McMahon matches at WrestleMania. Just put. Just put Braun back in the Battle Royal so he can defend the fucking trophy from two years ago because. I don't know. The guy is just. He has less buzz than I think Impact Wrestling at this point. Wow, those are fighting words. I think the the only the only buzz that this guy has is from flies flying around him at the Wyatt compound, but that's that's about it because uh, I just I don't know I just I don't see any buzz around him at all. So we move forward to the two elimination chamber matches. We'll start with the SmackDown one. This is not for the Universal Championship, but rather for a shot at the Universal Championship later on in the night. Jay Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Daniel Bryan. Before we break down who's gonna win. Why is Jey Uso in this? I know from a storyline standpoint why, but, like, that's a waste of a spot. Shinsuke Nakamura really should have been in there instead. I mean, I had no problem with Jey being in it, but that's me. <laughs> no, I like Jey, but it's just, like, I feel like we know I he's mean, not going to win. I mean, Corbin out of there. I'd rather Jey Uso be in there and, like, he can defend, like, try to win so then Roman... Like, he's in there, so, like, if he wins, then Roman doesn't have to defend the title. Is basically why he's in there. Well, but then why didn't Adam Pearce was like, oh, then you're automatically in. Because he's a fucking idiot. I don't know. But I'd rather have Jey Uso in than King Corbin. And I'd rather have Shinsuke in over King Corbin. So there you go. Owens at least makes more sense because he was screwed out of the championship. But by no means, I would rather have King Corbin. I don't know if I would rather have Corbin again versus Roman or Owens again versus Roman. Probably Owens and Roman. But yeah, I just neither of those matches interest me at all. Okay. Or Sami Zayn. So it, it, this has got to be Cesaro's match to win, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's the way that they kind of teased it on Friday night, and it seems like that's the direction they're going in. Daniel Bryan, I feel like that's got to be a full-on feud. I would not give that away as an impromptu match. I agree. So, Cesaro, Roman. Obviously, Roman wins LOL. Oh, easily. 
how far does the Cesaro push go? Does it go to Cesaro and Rollins at Fastlane? Because I kind of teased that on Friday night. Yeah, that's possible. I, I mean, I, I don't really think they're going to push him too too far. I mean, maybe if he gets a win here, maybe he loses the Rollins and they set him up for the IC title somewhere at WrestleMania. But it seems like Rollins and Bryan's what I would do as a non-title match at WrestleMania. Um, but, but yeah, like with the Cesaro, Seth, uh, Seth Rollins stuff, they tease that on, on Friday night as well. So. What were your thoughts on the Rollins return? Came out with the old Burn It Down theme song, which I think you said in the bump today might have been a one-off. So what were your thoughts on that? Oh, it was great. I fucking marked hard. Marked hard, but he's still doing the Messiah stuff. Stupid. Get rid of the Messiah stuff. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's right its course. I, I thought it was decent at first, but now I'm just kind of over it. We move along here to the WWE Championship match um, between Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Sheamus, and now Kofi Kingston after he beat The Miz to take his spot. Miz said, I don't want to be in it. So why he didn't just say that a week ago when he was initially announced for it, I have no fucking clue. They probably realized it was dumb for him to be in there considering he's Mr. Money in the Bank. No one cares about him right now. I know Rollins went for the WWE title while he was champion, like at the Rumble in 2015. At least that was a great match, and Rollins had more momentum than the fucking Miz did. And I love the Miz, but the guy's a joke right now, so I'm glad they took him out. Kofi's in there instead. Does Kofi stay in the thing? Or I'm thinking that Ali or Retribution... I'm I'm, so, I'm honestly shocked they didn't attack him on Raw or cost him the match on Raw. But he won, which is cool. But do you think Retribution attacks him beforehand and someone like Lashley or another person takes this spot instead? Or well, what's going on with Kofi Kingston here? Why do you think they did that? I mean, I think it makes the match better, but does Kofi even enter the chamber is the question. I mean, so Retribution's going to attack him and then Brock Lesnar's going to come out and win the whole thing. I don't know. I, I just I didn't even think about that as a possibility, but I think my heart just sank when you said that. <laughs> I, I mean, Brock is a former WWE champion, so I mean, <laughs> dude, I think that might actually happen. Brock wins, lol. It didn't happen in the Rumble, but I mean, <sighs> <laughs> or I mean, I guess the Fiend could come out. I could do the Fiend, but I think Brock seems. Well, I mean, again, it's an elimination chamber, and Brock's not getting fucking pinned. So, Brock, if he's in there, would win. And The Fiend, I don't think he would be in there just be, I mean, unless he, like, disappears or some shit, but, like, he can eliminate Orton, and then, would he get pinned? I think that'd be dumb, so, oh, God. Brock wins, LOL, get ready. <sighs> so, where's the Seamus Drew stuff leading? Is they, it makes it sound like they're doing a one-on-one match of Mania. Seamus is coming out last. So what's going on there? Do they do it a fast lane? Like I think that I think that's the mania match. They they've teased it too much at this point for it to not be the mania match. So if Brock's the champion, where does that leave that shit? Who knows? I don't know. I, I don't. I, if Brock's not in, I think Drew retains. I, I don't think Sheamus is gonna win it. I don't know. I just him coming out last. It's like usually when the heels have the momentum, they usually don't pull it out. So. Uh, <sighs> I think Drew's gonna win. Now. I think Drew's gonna win here. I mean. I just don't think he's gonna lose. If Brock's in it, Brock wins. Lol. But if, I, if it's if it's like someone else that gets in besides, I think Drew will win. I gotta go, Sheamus, just because I. First of all, the Brock prediction I fucking hate, but you're not far off, which is why I don't like it. Um, I gotta go, Sheamus, though, just because I don't think you could do Drew and Sheamus at Mania if Drew is still champion. 
At least not this way, because Drew's Sheamus has got to get eliminated. So what, is Drew going to pin him and they're just going to do it again? Like, I don't want to see that. I know they did that with Punk and Jericho uh, many years ago, but Jericho wasn't actually eliminated. I think he got, like, hurt or something, so he was taken out of the chamber. It just wasn't as interesting. I feel like the babyface, not always, but I think them being in chase mode is just a better story. We talked about it last week. I know you don't give a fuck about Drew losing the belt and getting it back at Mania. Like, at that point, what's the point? I completely understand that. But I think it's a better idea than Drew... I think Drew's got to win at WrestleMania regardless. So I feel like him losing it, then winning it, would be better than him holding on to it the entire time. That's just me. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like... And I say Sheamus just because it breaks the streak. And I've said this a million times, dude. They've had at least eight champions in the last decade to retain the title inside the chamber. Which, to me, completely, defre- completely defeats the purpose of having an elimination chamber if the champion's always going to retain against the odds. That, to me, makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you have Sheamus win, but then I feel like they re- fought at WrestleMania and then Drew would get the belt back and just says, like, is he just going to keep losing it and retaining it in, like, a month or two? I think that's just stupid as well, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, if they if they do it twice, it's not overkill, but I think they can get away with it. Um, after he loses, I mean, unless I, Steve Austin did it all the fucking time, but Drew McIntyre's no Steve Austin, but, and The Rock never really had many lengthy reigns. I'm okay with it. Um... I mean, again, if, if Drew were to lose that at Backlash or whatever in May or June and then get it back, okay, that's stupid. That That's like reaching Roman Reigns' territory. I would hope that whatever reign he has after WrestleMania, if it, if, if it goes the way that I'm thinking, he holds on to it for a while or maybe a little bit and then loses it to someone and then it's going to be a long time before he gets it back. I, I think that makes more sense. But we'll see, though. Um, so we've got Elimination Chamber on Sunday. I'm looking forward to the Chamber matches. The rest of it, I mean, I think the U.S. Championship match is going to be good, but... We literally only have three, four matches as it stands right now, assuming Oscar and Lacey does not happen as advertised for obvious reasons. Um, but that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's WrestleRant Radio, February 18th, 2021. Appreciate you guys checking the show. As always, new episodes every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean, iTunes, all that stuff. New episodes every Thursday. Rate, review, subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. Mr. Marcel will be back next Thursday. Elimination Chamber review and much, much more going on in the world of wrestling. Probably back with another NXT and Dynamite review as well. Um, any closing thoughts before we ride off into the sunset here? Uh, I got nothing for you, GSM. No uh, closing thoughts. Uh, should, be, should be a good weekend. Uh, I got my bachelor party Saturday night. I, I don't know if I'll, I'll make it Sunday night. I might, I might have to watch it on Monday. I might be a little too tipsy. but Jesus, uh, Mr. Marceau. Don't worry, I'll, be, I'll have a, a, a nice cold one for GSM. Have a nice uh, cold one for GSM. Pop open a Coca-Cola for me. I mean, I'll be a cold Budweiser, but yes. <laughs> well, enjoy, Mr. Marcel. Catch your ass down the road. See you later.